Some of what you are about to hear may be deemed offensive. Listener discretion is advised. We're talking to Scott Zolak in our uh, Pats from the Past podcast, brought to you by Who But WB Mason. WB Mason delivers all of your business essentials for free with no minimum order. Break room, furniture, facilities, maintenance, office supplies, and so much more. For the fastest delivery of business products, nobody does it better than who but W.B. Mason. So he does a pretty good Parcells imitation. Can we get a little bit of that? Well, see, we need more of the simulcast for video. I know this is a podcast for radio. I could get – I could if you give me – and this was the best thing about our old rookie shows and these shows we have at camp. When camp was camp, this is bullshit now. This is not camp. <laughs> and they, they would they take more guy, more more days to hit away, and I know it's about head injuries and all that. We know we play collision sport. We played it since we were kids. You know what you're getting into. Right. This isn't camp. You know what was camp? Brian Collins living in dorm 15, bottom floor window. Mike Frabel said this about Vra- uh, uh, about Tom Brady. You know where we be- became friends? Parentes. In between and after practices, because we would have golf carts. We'd drive those golf carts through the woods to go to this little ball bar called Parentes, right outside Bryant College, which is Bryant University at the time. And we would play Golden Tee. And we would play, we would have pitchers of beer and seafood platters. I'll never forget that, man. This one time when Pete Carroll ended up taking over as head coach. And Bobby Greer was um, director of play, pro play, whatever. GM. Was, yeah. And Bobby said, we're going to have a weigh-in. Because I think Bobby knew on a Thursday night, everybody was down at Dan Parente's loading up. I had to have like five pitchers of beer, seafood platter, and, you know, people gave you, you know, whatever Parcells gave you. Parcells gave you 238. We're going to give you 238. And I came in. I was like 247 at weigh-in because it was all bloating from the beer. <laughs> and you get fined and you had to do all this stuff to get back on weight and you know, it's funny how these coaches find out things, but that, you know, that place down there, that little place, Brian, it galvanized you. It did. This isn't camp here. One a day. So let me ask you a Every question. Other day. Let me ask you a question about one of those camps down there. Ben Coates supposed to go run. The rumor I heard was that Pete dumped water on him and told him, tell the guys that you had to run. And he never made him do it. I never heard that. Okay. Good. That was the you ever heard the, the Farrick time. Collins one, uh, the P test. No, I just know about Farrick stuff being out on the front steps. Farrick had an issue because uh, he tried to skip the P line at five thirty a.m. drug test. You know, you get drug tested once a year, and we're all standing in line and we're all holding our stuff down there, and everybody's lined up. It's a dark hallway. Farrick had to go more than anybody because nobody else had to go. Right? <laughs> and a certain Patriot Hall of Famer told me, "Get your ass to the back of the line." Farrick said, "No, I'm not." Yeah, I'm, I'm going to pee. He goes, I'm going to tell you one more time. Get your ass to the back of the line. Everybody's waiting to pee. This has to be Bruce. Of course. Now, I don't want to do it because I don't think he likes me telling a story. <laughs> All I can remember, and it was, like I said, it was dimly lit. All I remember is, and that was the right fist hitting the left eye. And that left eye swollen up. And I remember Sam Gash grabbing him, jacking him against the wall. And Farrick took a swing saying, it's over. Farrick's like, no, it ain't over. Then I remember, and that was the fist hitting the other eye. It swelled up. And this is two days, so we all went out to practice. Farrick wasn't in practice. So they had the triage or the, the taping room set up in the old Bryant Gymnasium. And, you know, we had the weight room set up there and the, the training room was set up there. So it was like, where's Farrick? We came back. Farrick's got two ice packs on his eyes. He's laying on the training table. You know, everybody said, oh, he had an allergic reaction to something he ate this morning. And I said, yeah, it was so-and-so's fist. <laughs> and it was, those are the great, that's the great, that's stuff we'll never forget. Those, you know, those moments. Or me uh, bringing in a bass, acoustic guitar. I never played guitar. 
but I had this big amp and I would just crank it in the hallways just to piss guys off. I remember Bruce coming out, ripping that amp out, and I never played that guitar again. That was a Bruce. <laughs> and man, trying to cut Curtis Martin's hair. And man, those dudes did not want their hair cut. Um, all right. Well, so- well, well, tell us what happened when you tried to cut Curtis Martin's hair. He would jump out windows, man, second floor windows. Yeah, just running from guys. We ended up getting him, holding him down, and shaved his head. Yeah. Really? Yep. Some guys didn't want their hair cut. That's um, funny. All right, Joe. What was your best game? 92 in Indy? Home here at Foxborough against the 49ers. Home. 98. Home. 98. Because Beat Steve Young. Because of the opponent. Jerry Rice, Steve Young, uh, Ken Norton. And you guys were given no chance in that game. You were no supposed chance. to get blown we needed, out. We needed that game to get in the playoffs. Yep. Correct. And at the time, let's set the scene a little bit. Drew's out with the finger, right? Hurt yeah. the finger against yeah, no Miami. Reps. Yeah, right. Played against Buffalo. Played against Buffalo. Won against Buffalo. Got knocked yeah. out against the Rams. It was my birthday. The pin, in St. Louis. The pin came through pin his came finger. Out, man. Bro- broke his finger hitting Trace Armstrong's helmet. I remember in the, in the Miami game. I remember looking down the sideline. I remember the pin, and I'm like, "Oh God, he can't go." And then that's the realization. Pop, when it popped sets out in. of his you're finger. The, you're the guy. And he's like, "I'm done, I'm done." And yeah. uh, you remember, and we had to get that win to play it. And then my man Sean Jefferson, who I love playing with, another one of my favorite teammates. We were running this curl, pl- curl pass. You know, of course, you know, Pete and the guys want to keep it safe. We're going to run flats and check downs and screens. And Robert Edwards caught the first touchdown on the swing pass out to that left side. And, you know, we're going into the where the tunnels were. Yep. Um, we're about the 40. This is after about the fifth curl route in a row. And uh, R.W. McCorders was playing I think, uh, against Sean. And he was matched up on him. Sean's like, shit, you ain't going to run another damn curl route. He said, I'm going to give him a look and I'm going to run a go. He says it's in the huddle. I'm looking at the sideline. I'm like, run the old curl again. Run the old curl again. So, we're like 666, all curl, F flat, H flat. Sean's like, F that, man. I'm going. I said, you better catch the ball. Okay? So, I dropped back. I even talked to Bruce at the time. I said, give me one little extra second here. Bruce remembers that because he picked me up after the throw. I threw this thing. I thought I overthrew him by 10 yards. And somehow, Jefferson managed to kick it into another girl, another gear past my quarters. Stretch out the goal line, catch the ball off the fingertips, and you just remember the place going to. There's nothing like playing at home and winning at home. It was a great first win on the road at Indy, but based on the competition and what was it? We were on nine, and what was at stake in '98? Yeah, yeah, because yeah. we were playing at the at the loaded Jets the next week. Right. By the way, you mentioned Sean Jefferson. I don't know that he gets enough credit for. I mean, he wasn't here for a very long time. But he was a very good receiver. People for talk about team. Terry Glenn. You know, Brisby was good. You know, Ray Crittenden. And Sean, Sean kept his mouth shut, worked his ass off. He was a good practice I like player. Sean, yeah. He, he had hunting dogs, and he was always good with the young kids. He, Ducks Unlimited. He made everybody feel like they were part of the team. Yeah. yeah. Just a good leader, great leader. And he's had a nice coaching career. He's, he's stuck oh, around, hasn't he? Oh, yeah. Did right? you get Tony Simmons in that game deep, too? That was a Jets game next week. Oh, okay. Yep. One of a few passes he caught. Yeah. <laughs> he could run, though. Remember the Kevin Lee game when he got his jaw broken on a <laughs> kick return? Was that, pre-se- was that a preseason game? I don't know what that was. I think it was a like, preseason game. I remember thinking this kid's never going to be the same. Second round pick out of what, Alabama? Yeah. Yep. Because he hit back his eyes. <laughs> I'm like, I've never seen anybody get hit that hard. So, so um, you get drafted in 92 yeah. or 91. You played 92. And then in 93, the Patriots have the first pick. And did you know at that point in time life was going to change for you as a professional football player? Yeah, of course, because I I dodged the bullet earlier, another prior year, because David Klingler came out of Houston when he set all those records. He ended up going to Cincinnati, thank God. He and, stunk, um, too, didn't he? Yeah, yeah pretty he much. Stunk. He had a bad career. Right. Um, but he had a great college career. Right. Um, but I remember it was between Bledsoe and Meyer. 
And maybe I wish they would have drafted Meyer, you know, <laughs> because maybe I would have played, you know. Right. Um, he was the rookie of the year, though, that year. Oh, yeah. 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 He was rookie. He had a really good rookie yeah. year for, for Seattle. But I remember Bledsoe coming in. And he, you know, of course, him being a hick. And I could say that now because I love the guy, you know. Um, him and his dad riding their bikes cross country, sleeping in tents. And he came rolling in with like this tearaway Nike Air Jordan and the wraparound sunglasses. I'm like, look at this tool bag, you know. And he's like, hey, you want to go outside and play some cats? I'm like, yeah, sure. Let's go outside. And then, fill the ball. Like, damn. Like, this kid can throw. And you thought, and you're and thinking, I knew I could throw. I you know you could throw. You know when you see a guy that can throw. Like, you saw it with Marino. You saw it with Elway. Like, you see it with Mahomes now. You know, so. My favorite story about that with Drew is when he got here and he yeah. said, like, he had $6 in his bank account. And then all of a sudden he had like 14 million and six and he kept going to the ATM to show just people. Look at it. <laughs> Excuse me. Say right. that again. Cut into that. I said how Drew used to go to the ATM and when he got, went from $6 to 14 million and six. Yeah. Like and I mean, that. I remember driving down to the old uh, uh, state school down here. We had to drive the freaking practice in our full uniforms. And I never drove cause I don't want to smell my car, but blood's had a white suburban. And um, I remember it was sunny and I put the, uh, the uh, visor down. And this check from Nike for like 150 grand fell out in my lap, and I'm looking at it, and I'm like, "Jesus Christ, this is eight, eight months old. You got to cash this thing." He's like, "Oh yeah, I forgot that was up there." That's, <laughs> that's another world, man. That's another world. It's another world, right? You know, for some of these guys, you know, then you get these guys nowadays making 35. You know, it's crazy. What was it like growing up as a? You know, you were a kid still then, Scott. So what was it like growing up with Bledsoe? I mean, you guys, that was a pretty special relationship. We're tight. It? We were tight, and it, and it's it's really hard being tight when one guy plays at that position. But I think the best thing I did was it maybe elongated my career because you accept your role, and I stayed you know shit nine years of one team. That doesn't happen nowadays as a backup. As a backup. As a backup. Back you see backups like McCown and you know, like Brian Hoyer and these guys. They bounce team to team to team to team. You know, and um, there's just no stability position, but. Yeah, you know, we had a good working relationship. I think I was a good buffer for him between him and Bill and, yeah, you know, the transfer to Pete and, you know, just everything, everything worked well with what we did. Uh, just, we hit it off from the get go. How hard is it to accept that role when you've always been the guy? Yeah. See, but I mean, even going back to college, you know, five years, five summers, I wasn't a five year starter. I was a four year starter. So, you know, you play sporadically or you play for a stretch and, you know, you're not a first rounder. You know, first rounders have nine lives. They're like cats. You know, look at Rick Meyer. You know, good example. Yeah, I mean, lots of guys. Jeff to Meyer again. Jeff George. I mean, they're always going to go back to these guys. Why is there interest in like guys like Andy Dalton? Because they're a former first round pick, we can resurrect their career. Um, yeah. So, but I mean, I, I read on Twitter be, that Zoe is a big Andy Dalton. He fan. is a big Dalton guy. <laughs> so Zoe, um, sarcasm. It, Who knows? Was it hey. easier? Was it easier for you to? Except, I guess, would be the right word, knowing that you're, that you're playing, you know, behind a guy like Drew who had all that ability and all that, and, and could play. I, I mean, that it, you respect. Yeah, him. and see, you, I remember Rob Johnson being in Buffalo and him getting a contract. I'm like, I could be better than this guy or this guy. The grass isn't always greener on the other side, and you always wish. And you know, the Bible tells you don't don't wish for what the neighbor has. You know, don't covet thy neighbor and what he has because, you know, it's not always great. And I could tolerate a guy that had better talent or maybe it was better than me and geez, you're the number one overall pick of the draft. You you know the deal. You know, they're drafting that guy to build it around that guy. Not gonna be combative. Here. And they signed you to extensions. I mean they so they're, they're committed to you. One of my yeah. favorite extensions was done at Drew's wedding. 
Yeah, with, with Mr. Kraft on a, on a cocktail napkin. He wrote one number up top, and Parcell said, we got to figure this freaking thing out. You're making too much money to be my backup. You, know, you can't just be the holder here. You know, you got to do some other stuff here. Like, what do you want me to run under kicks? Special teams? <laughs> yeah, put a neck roll on you me. You were a punter I'm not in Chief high school. Jensen. Right. But I remember we had a napkin, and Robert said, I'm going to write a number here. You're going to write a number in the bottom. Then we're going to write another number in the middle. And he circled that number, and he went, RKK. Done deal. Where was Sendrich during this? I called Ralph said, I said, Dill's done. At that point, this is at the point. And, and no commission for you. And no, no, this is at the point where Ralph, like, hey, we're, we're past, you know, or, you know, I'm comfortable. I want to be here. You know, so we're getting it done. That's funny. So that's when you got to remember the agent works for you. Yeah. yeah. So, um, how did it end here, Scott? And were you pissed? Was I pissed? That's a good question. Um, I was pissed. Yeah, because I loved it here. And, they thought you didn't play well enough against a stacked Jets team. That Parcells team with Curtis and those guys and Vinny were loaded. They were loaded. They ended up going to the AFC title game, right? They should have won. They yeah. had, did and, they and lead we, it to half? I think they did muddy. lead That game was muddy, and they, they, they had a couple turnovers. And yeah. we can get into the big drop in Jacksonville. Yeah, yeah. And we ended up playing in the playoffs in Jacksonville. You know, We come out of the huddle. Ben lined up on the wrong side. We rehearsed this play. We had to freaking burn a timeout. You know, first play of the game, so it's the quarterback's responsibility, right? Not getting your guys. Can't handle the moment. Um, we had uh, Troy Brown, I think, on basically one leg. Ben was banged up that game. Nope. Love, love it. Purnell played a ton. No Curtis, no Terry Glenn, right? No Curtis, no Terry Glenn. Um, and I remember I got hot in that second half of the game. I started to go to Troy. Troy had a couple nice catches, got the point to Ben. And then Love it, Purnell. We had third and seven. We were down We were down 12-7, I think, in that game, fourth quarter. And we're inside the eight. Love it, Purnell. We are, we, I remember the play. F angle, right side. He runs his angle. He's wide-ass open. I hit him right in the stomach, right between the eight and the five. And he drops the ball. We want to bid up 14-12. In the Who knows what quarter. happened after that? So Jimmy they Smith. ended up bringing, Jimmy Smith, touchdown deep. Right. They ended up – I was unsigned. And I remember I got the same two calls on the same day, which was weird. Pete Carroll calls and says, yeah, we're bringing in a guy, Drew John Freeze. You know, just we're going through. I was – they wasn't cutting me. My contract was expired. I was up at the time. I was on a beach down at Monty Trainers down at the bay, bringing it back to the Jimmy Johnson, you know, boat boat bar. And phone rings, and my wife answers it, and I had flip phone, a Motorola flip phone, and she goes, "This is not Bill Parcells." I look over, and I'm like, "Oh Jesus, what?" She goes, "This isn't Bill Parcells." She goes, "What's the name of our two dogs?" He goes, "Boomer, Boomer, and Molly." Put them on the damn phone. She goes, "Holy shit!" He just said the two dogs. So got the phone. He goes, "I got two hours here." I need a backup quarterback. Vinny's a starter. It's between you and Rodney Pete. Which guy could get on a plane faster? I said, I'll be on the plane. Next plane. So I went to the Jets. And next thing you know, Rick Meyer became available in all Bill's great relationships with Ron Wolf. And there's your uh, nine lives. They ended up bringing Meyer in. He was a disaster. Tom Tupa had to end up playing for the Jets when Vinny, that? Vinny ripped his Achilles. So. That was the next year in 99. Well, you know, so stuff happens, you know. And I would never wish oh, that. that. I no, love Vinny. Yeah. I love Vinny. Yeah, that was great. That was week one against the Patriots. God, Down the in the middle week, ends. The same weekend, Pedro had 17 strikeouts against <laughs> the Yankees. water at safety. We were stacked, man. Mo Lewis. We had so much talent. Oh, my God. But Ray Lucas came up and beat the Patriots that year. Yep. You are listening to the Pats from the Past podcast, brought to you by who but W.B. Mason. W.B. Mason delivers all of your business essentials for free with no minimum order. Break room, furniture, facilities, maintenance, office supplies, and so much more. For the latest delivery of business products, nobody does it better than who but W.B. Mason. 
so buyer cost you a job in New York. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. So then what happens? Um, you're stagnant for a couple of weeks. Um, Dan Marino's nerve and his shoulder starts to fall apart, sort of like Peyton's did at the end of his career. Uh, in Indy, you know, and I don't think Dan had the ability to get the type of surgeries Peyton did, the fusions and all that, maybe go outside the country and maybe have some other help at strip malls um, in the Indianapolis <laughs> area to help bolster that at the time. And um, I get a phone call. Paul Boudreau, who's our offensive line coach, was Here down on Jimmy's yeah. staff. Say, hey, Dan's having issues. Damon's a the starter. They had Jim Drunken Miller, who was at the time, you know, <laughs> former first round pick with the 49ers, with who had a new laptop and found out that you could download all kind of porn on the laptop and watch it on the plane with, you know, flight attendants walking around. I mean, that kid was, he was different. <laughs> so that's why they brought me in. I got a half year down there and it was just cool to be around Marino and have, you know, I wore 14, Dan wore 13 and we we're locker buddies and that dude had swagger. Now he had, competitive edge maybe he didn't have all the talent left at the end and watching him put the buckle up name a tight knee brace on and knee sock and just everything he had to do to get the heat packs ready to get the shoulder ready it was fun being around danny had that last year down in miami but that's how it ended for me and that was wasn't heward down there damon was a starter yeah oh yeah so so tell the story and i can't remember you're going to remember the name of the ball boy uh, uh balloon right yeah Mark. Okay, who used to work the visitors? Oh, yeah, locker. so this was great. So so what happened when the Dolphins would come here? So the best thing I ever did when I played throughout the nine years was I, I, I'm I kind of a, I don't want to say a pseudo-collector, but a quiet collector. I have a really good collection of stuff. I would get, you know, helmets of guys. I'm going to get a Kelly jersey. I'm going to get it to their equipment guy, have him sign it, we play him. Same thing with Marino. And uh, I, I asked Balloonis, and, and he used to work the visiting clubhouse here. And he said... It was like it was like Goodfellas. They would get a meat platter together. You have a meat platter, a bottle of orange juice. You have a you have a, like a gallon of orange juice, and a bottle of Absolute. And they would put it in the equipment trunk. And Marino would not ride. All you would line up all this stuff from Marino to sign in the in the room over here at the, the visitors thing. So Danny would do like ten shirts, helmets, balls. But all he would ask for is cold, you know, typical Italian, you know, from Pittsburgh, you know, downtown Pittsburgh. I went to Capicol. I went to Pajut, you know. Want the stuffed peppers, all that stuff. They have this platter ready for them with a bottle of vodka and a bottle of orange juice. And I think back of cigarettes at the time, Danny would sit in an equipment truck in the back with these guys and eat it going to the airport. You know, back while everybody else would load the buses up. Danny would ride the bus. Danny rode with the equipment guys. And he signed stuff for the visiting team? Well, it, for connections of whoever from well, the I, Patriots would have, hey, can you get this signed for my kids for Dan? You know, and – yeah, you're there four hours early prior to the game. Danny would stitch it up quick. I do remember Larry Wiggum getting the ball. He intercepted and returned 60 yards for a touchdown against that's Marino. Dan signed it after the game. Yeah, these, really? yeah these guys changed, exchanged jerseys now. Like, that's what they do. You know. Right. Yeah, like Lamar Jackson. I hate that, year. by the way. I don't like that either. On well, I hate it because of my job. <laughs> no. Nope. Uh, yeah, a guy broke a record today. I'd like to get his jersey for the Hall of Fame. What? He traded it? <laughs> Yeah, the coolest thing at the Hall of Fame there is the, the balls when you have the, the, the athletic tape around it and it's stitched on there with a pen. That's cool seeing that because that's like, you know, it's authentic. That's the real, real one. That's, that's, real that's why we leave it on, by the way. I would, would never take that tape off, Brian. That's Sometimes cool it gets thing. yellow. and but that's, yeah. that's, that's great. It's like an old newspaper article. All right, so, so um, did you think it was over after Miami? Yeah, because uh, things changed. Jimmy was out. He had issues with the owner. He had issues with Danny. Wanstead took over. He brought in Shane Gailey. Didn't mesh well with him. Uh, they brought in a guy by the name of Jay Fiedler who played you know, really well you know, for uh, Jacksonville. They gave him some money to come in. So sort of writing on the wall there. Um, and then he went to the young kid, Drunken Miller. 
You know, because like I said, former first round pick, nine lives. Right. And at that point, yeah, you sort of find out it's over. So, so you, what do you? So what do you, do you have any idea then what you're going to do? Nope, nothing. So then, you what know, happened? Ten years out of it, you sit there and were you scared? Bob Lobel calls me. Were you scared? Were you, were you still living here? Yeah, still yeah, living okay. here. Yeah, you, you got a you got a kid now, a newborn kid, and so what do we do? Bob Lobel calls me. Hey, we got this thing called pregame, you know, game day, and you know, fifth quarter, and it was him, Numi, Felger at the time. Why don't you come in and see if you like doing this, Diossi? And um, and I remember doing it. Just never felt comfortable because I still knew the guys. I was never critical of them. And um, he pulled me aside one day and he said, "I'm gonna give you some advice here. I've been doing this a long time. You gotta draw a line. You the friends with those guys?" Are they still taking care of you? Are they still paying your bills? Are you going to get over here and honestly give us a critique of the game as to if they play well, they play well. If they play bad, you got to say they play bad, kid. I was always saying, like, I was afraid to say this guy sucked or this guy didn't play well. And I remember ripping Bruce Armstrong after that one time. I ended up seeing him at the rack, the old pool hall down in Boston, about two weeks later. And, man, did he not forget that. And I th- these, guys hear, not, these guys hear everything, man. We always did. He always had the clips in our lockers. Who said what? Who wrote what? Kevin Mannix. I remember Pat Harlow going after him. Um, Ron Borges. Oh, God. You know, Dan Pyers. All these guys. God rest his soul. You know, Alan Greenberg. These guys have covered us, man. It's There was a good group of guys in there, man. Hey, hey, I worked for the team newspaper and got MF'd a couple times. Sure. <laughs> I don't know how you guys do it, man. Sure. So I don't know how you guys do it. When did it click for you? When Or do you, or do you remember? Was there a time that it clicked for you? Ah. Uh, I don't know if it ever clicked. I think you got better. And there's, I still to this day hate seeing myself on TV. I've learned through radio because I do so much radio and the calls of the gamer on radio. You can hear yourself and you know, feel bad. I step on Sosie half the time, but I'm excitable. And that's what I do. I think that has gotten a little bit better. We're not <laughs> unicorn show pony at every damn throw, <laughs> but maybe it clicked on that throw because, okay, you can do this. You're going to be professional about it. You're going to, you're you're good at what you do. I know I'm good at what I do. I know I can break the game down as good as – I think I can do as good as Tony, Tony Romo does it. I think I see stuff coming. Would you do it for half of what he's getting? I'd do it for one-fourth of what he's getting. <laughs> I'd do it for one-tenth of what he's getting. You know, it's – but, I no, I love the gig. I love what I do. I love who I work for. So how did you end up at the job in Providence? Yeah, Andy Gresh. There was an opening here. I think he was working – who the hell was he working with? Maybe Cordishi at the time couldn't stand him. You worked with Cordishi. Andy hated working with Coach. Andy never liked – and he always butted heads with whoever he worked with. Yeah. But he's like, he went to, uh, there was a, who's the guy who was program director? David, the hell's name? New York guy. I forget. Can't remember his name. David something. And Andy went in and said, why don't you get the, give Solak I remember call. Jim Brinson. Oh, that guy came in. It was a big voice guy with some shiny yucker. suits. He was a yucker. That but, guy was a tool bag. But so this is all off of your work at Channel 4, just doing right. pre Andy knew, Andy knew the name, knew I was doing some stuff. I was doing... Um, some Fridays on uh, with Dell Numi, Eddie Andelman gave me some breaks with some of his TV production. He would bring me in with uh, the A team back in the day. He and Dell Arnold, um, we all started over there at EI. You know, whether it was guest appearances, you know, the big show, there was always a rotating guest. Yep. So it was uh, it was a cool format that format they had. But Andy had the vision to, to say, "Hey, give me a call." So let me ask you this then, because I was there leaving December of '07 to come back up here. February, you finish the show, call to the corner office, change in formats. The sports hub didn't exist yet. Did not exist. So what are you thinking there? I have no clue then. So first thing you do is you call EI again, right? 
And uh, they're like, oh, the JV, JV team, what's the call? Come up to the varsity game. Remember getting your balls broken by Steve Chaccio and <laughs> Jason Wolf and those guys. Well, we'll see if we can fit you in. We need to get some time here, you know. And then, and then credit, credit Mark Hannon, man, for putting the sports hub together. Because Mark Hannon, who is currently at Intercom now and ended up having to go to Intercom because of the merger and the sale of CBS and all that. But Mark met with Felger and Tangway and those guys, and they had the vision to – Sort of want to do what fifteen ten the zone. I know Chad Finn had that recent article on the zone, which is pretty good about the type of town, but they had no signal. Felger was working at eight fifty ESPN, no signal. Everything was broadcast out over the water. We're going to put it on WBCM. We're going to go FM. We're going to flip format and go all sports. And Mark Cannon put this whole thing together, man, and we have been clicking since that day. Well, I remember one other little thing that happened right before BZFM, and I remember it was uh, January of two thousand and nine. In the 2008 season, the Crafts had decided oh, uh, of, of course. along a relationship with Channel 5. Oh, they I made guess. a business decision. and They said, you know what? We've got a restaurant here, CBS Scene. We're going to put our television program, the preseason games, we're going to put all access on Channel 4. Yeah. And the people at Channel 5 were pissed. Mike Lynch was pissed. And so I'm sitting there with the decision. I'm going, you know, what am I going to do? Because Mike had been doing it for a long time, had been with Bill for a long time. I said, you know, how, comfort gonna, how am I going to yeah. do this? What am I going to do with Bill? I said, you know what? Let me try this out with Scott Zolak. Zolak came down, and he sat down with Bill and talked the first time. Interview's over, and we're done, and Scott goes to wherever he's going. because This is where it's Channel 5? I'm chasing, I'm chasing Channel 4. I was okay. chasing jobs at this time. Yeah. yeah oh, running in, in Scott's, and out. Scott's double parked at the time, so he's out. And Bill goes, hey, can I talk to you for a second, man? I said, yeah, sure. What's up, Bill? What year is this? Oh, 09. Oh. And he I'm goes, way back here. he goes, we got something here. I said, I told you would like him. He goes, no, 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 I know. We got something here. This is going to be good. And that's Scott Zolak's relationship with Bill Belichick. Yeah. You know, the Bellistrator and sitting down and talking with him. And I'd say Scott's as, Scott has as good a relationship with Bill as anybody in the media. Well, he does a radio interview with him every single week before the game. He does a television interview and he breaks down tape with him. I put Scott up. And now I'm biased. Yeah. But I put Scott up against anybody oh, yeah. and his relationship. Well, listen, I, I've sat in the press conferences for a number of years, and I could just tell you from my own experiences that he, he likes when you can talk football yeah. and break it down with him, and I'm sure he thought it was perfect with Zoe. There's nothing yep. worse going in and hear a guy say, uh, Coach, talk about third down. Like, well, what's the question? What do you, <laughs> right. Don't tell me what to talk about. I just explain, you know, what, is the, what do you want me to talk about? And – Matt's been always good, and we 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 sort of you know brainstorm some stuff before Bill comes in, and you never know what Bill you're going to get. But to Bill's credit, no matter how good the game was, now obviously when the game's good, we get a lot of plays for plays of the week. You know the Bellistrator and the way that's exploded, and shoot, that's eventually led to articles in Rolling Stone, Boston Magazine, people New York coming Times, in, New York Times. Coming you in, you've to, never seen David New York Waldstein. Times in your life. I never read the New York Times. <laughs> David Waldstein comes in to spend time and. Coach and Matt, does they'll fall into access. all the news that's fit to print? Right. I mean, I'm not it, sure about this that. This would not. It would not happen through radio. It would not happen through pregame or postgame. This happens through the relationship of Kraft Sports and Bill Belichick, and what we've sort of built through a, a content that no other team in the league can think or attempt to do. Um, you know, our features, our specials. Um, uh, you know, the, the 24-hour network at the Super Bowl. Um, 
you know, the bus stuff from Freddie Kirsch and, you know, Fred being in on most of the stuff. The vision that the I never have. thought it's or ever thought when, when Matt called me in to do this in 09, it was like, okay, it's another one of these things. And then you see something in Bill's eye light up and me being a football guy and you see what it means to him. And when he starts getting into detail, watch this guy's hips turn here or, you know, Here's the play we ran in practice. He pulls up the video from the high angle of Jimmy D at practice. And it's so, it's well documented in three games of glory. It is. You know, the, it, it the is Seattle awesome. Super Bowl, you know, the pick play and all that. Russell, you know, uh, the Malcolm Butler play and how you transfer it from there to there and what makes the game so much special. I had a couple of chances to watch film with him. So the first time is down in Tampa. It's the preseason. I get a call. Come on down to the, this conference room. So I go down and I'm not saying a word. Bill's just watching tape of it's preseason of other teams players all of a sudden he goes mother bleep and i go what he goes i won't mention the name it was an offensive lineman from buffalo that he was watching who didn't end up getting cut but he was watching guys you know to see who might be out there and he's like look at this guy's feet he's got great balance he's doing this we drafted kenyatta jones Yeah, <laughs> he's no, like, no, I don't know that what too. we were doing. And we'll be sitting there, we're getting ready, and you know, they're making Bill up, and we're doing, we're getting ready for the, uh, you know, for the Bellistrator, and he's circling this. He goes, "Look at this shit protection here." Not ship, Nate no, wouldn't say shit. I say shit. He goes, "Look at this sh- shot, shoddy protection here on the backside." He goes, "Would you ever block this up this way?" He goes, "But we're gonna look at this, you know." So, you know, it's 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 a two man block on the backside, and they're loaded up. You you can see four guys coming defensively. He goes, "We're not gonna we're not gonna block." He goes, "Credit to us, we're not gonna block it that way." Okay, you know, but. Man, so to see it come together, yeah, you know, that's those are mag- those are magical tapings we have, and of course the Super Bowls, man, there's nothing better than that. So, so I'm, this is going to be my final question. Think about this for a second. You're a guy who really was second string, you know, yeah. lucky to be in the league uh, with the same team for a long amount of time. When your career is over, and you, there, kid, my kid, who's 18 years old, has no idea about Scott Zolak, yeah. who played in the NFL, but he knows Zoe, yeah, because he's heard Zoe. And he's seen Zoe. In your wildest dreams, can you imagine how your life has taken the turn from playing in the National Football to now being part of the National Football and being part of one of the most successful organizations no, in I, all of sports? I, I, t- I still talk about this with my parents, especially my dad. You know, when I go back to see him and, um, you know, sort of the path it, it's taken because I'm not Teddy Bruschi. I'm not Ty Law. I'm not Patriot Hall of Famer. I didn't play. But there are guys that, can do this you know you see but like guys like dan or- orlovsky um or uh, there's many others you know tony Romo played a ton so those guys are, are going to get breaks you're going to be you know the a team on cbs or you know, troy aikman's a, you know his hall of famer you know three super bowls i didn't do that but you feel that you know you could watch them sort of mold yourself you mentioned so i i have a personality i think the best thing i've been able to do is and brian you've known me from government me when i played the same guy when i played same guy, you know, when I was doing stuff in Providence, same guy here, same guy with the KSP, same guy at the sports, same guy when I was the, uh, it's, you get me, you get Zell. And I think that's, that's the best thing. My personality has allowed me to sort of, you know, I like to say I light a room up when I walk in and that makes me feel good. Were, and if you can learn football by talking to me, if I can make it fun for you, if you could, you know, we do four hours of radio a day, it's a grind. And, and you so know what you've though, done it, it's what, not easy. When I listen to a home radio football game, I want Zoe. Now, I might have to sit there and go like this. I got to go home and watch that penalty to see if Zoe was being biased on this play. But I got to be honest with you. I like people laugh at me. I like Jack Edwards. <laughs> I like Zoe. So you're the one. I like Tommy Heinsohn. Yeah. I love that. 
See, I want that spirit in my home call. Now, I also want to know what's happening, which I get. Right. But I love it. But I'll tell you what's unfair, okay? And I've had the privilege of working on some projects with NFL Films because of the Patriots winning Super Bowls. So we do three games to glory. And I'm not blowing smoke up Zoe's keys to here, but we sit and we sit in a room and we go through every play for the Super Bowl or every play for the uh, playoff games. And that's what's in three games to glory. And these guys, Kenny Rogers, who's a Belichick whisperer, who knows the games, sat at the feet of Steve, the great Steve Sable, um, God rest his soul. He knows football. And he says, listen to Zolak here. Listen to him call this play. It's the Ravens game 2014 in the division round. What happens on the play? If you listen to the game, listen to Zogo, lateral. He calls the play before it even happens. He knows it's happening. So Zoe gets a bag of uh, a crap because he's a homer and, oh, he's all excited that. and unicorns and show ponies. Listen to the game because yeah. he's going to tell you something that you didn't know. And as an analyst, that's all you can ask somebody to I do. You can do that on. I think I dish it when it's bad, too. When they're bad, I. Yeah, I said, oh, Bill, God, you said yeah. Billy, o, Billy O'Brien's family used to ride your tail. I, right? I said after that, Matt Lake strip sack when, you know, and you get back to and, you know, you get your ass kicked by the Ravens. Billy O'Brien should have been fired day after the game. And his family were, were and not he happy about was that. pissed. And right. We buried that at you, and now we're so good. Like, I love Billy. You know, like, I felt so bad that it gets back to people. But, like, that's me as a fan in that moment. Like, well, and you're speaking emotionally there, too. That's what I love about yeah. listening to you is that it's emotional for you. Right. Yeah. And and you can feel that as a listener. Now, you couldn't do that no, people on say, CBS what, why can't on you Sunday CBS? on TV. Because you're not going to get that. Right. You be couldn't dumb. do that. I did Navy football. You know, Sosi did the call on the radio, and I did six years of Navy football on TV. It's dead down the middle. It's boring. It's a boring call. They won every game, I bet. Yeah, they ran a ball to play. Right. right. Yeah. So it's like, Jesus. Hey, Zoe. Thank Guys, this has been fun. Thanks for taking it's the time. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Thank you for downloading this podcast. Subscribe on Apple, Google Play, and everywhere else you listen. Like the show? Please rate and review us. Listener comments and ratings help keep us high in the podcast rankings so new listeners can find us. Be sure to check Patriots.com for more news and more podcasts.